Hello, and welcome to the Comedian's Paradise. This is the podcast where we speak to fantastic, multi-dimensional people with many layers and, and stories to tell that inspire comedians like you and me to chase comedy on our own terms and to inspire us to do comedy in our own unique way. Now, today's guest is, he has the first name of Peter, like Peter Pan, and Wood, like... Um, Plank. Yeah, like, like Plank. <laughs> Peter Wood, it, it's, a, it's a name that you will always remember if you hear it on stage. He is a man who will swashbuckle and conquer any audience. He's a f- comedy force of nature from Scotland. Please welcome Peter Wood. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm going to share a big force on HR. <laughs> Step it <laughs> on her. <laughs> How are we doing, Peter? You've got a lovely little couch at the back. That that that's that that is a that I've is got a, a lion on top of it as well. Oh right, right. It looks that. like Aslan. I painted that. That is brilliant. How long did that take? Um it took me to go down to the range and spend nineteen pounds for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <fair enough>. sorry. <laughs> now, now, Peter, so like, tell us a bit about yourself. Like, how how did you like become a comedian? Was it did you go on Tinder and like a woman said, "Right, Peter, you're you're gorgeous. You have to get up on stage." Was it like I don't know a bet? Was it some sort of life or death bet where a guy said, listen here, son, if you want to survive the next few days, you've got to make me laugh and open my stand-up comedy gig and you got up on stage? Uh, well, I, I got into comedy. Um, so cut a long story short, I was a, I was a class clown. I was, a, I was the guy that was always getting into trouble um, for being cheeky and whatever. And then put out a class and then pretend to do like spiders on the glass and stuff like that and get even in more trouble. I was just, I was just an idiot basically at school. I was, I remember um, it, it, I, if I could, if I could describe my school days in the best way possible, and we've all seen The Simpsons, yeah? Yeah, you know when Bart and Skinner are standing and Skinner turns around and says, no Bart, the decision that you make here to impress your friends or to take the ticking off is gonna be the decision that you make for the rest of your life. And he looks at his pals, he looks at all his friends laughing. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to be the clown. And then he gets detention. That that was me. That was my, I pretty much, that was me. I could have, I could have stuck in at school, but I was, I was also like, nah, I don't like school and I don't like any of these teachers. So I might have to push with them. And, and, but a lot of the times, a lot of us avoid comedy. Like if we have a chance thing that happens that makes us do comedy. And what, what what was your thing, Peter? Did did that made you decide to be a comic? Did your kids say, "Daddy, be a comic"? Uh, no. What happened was I went along a comedy night, and I was wearing this yellow jacket, and it was like like a luminous yellow, and I thought it was like so cool. And I was on a date with this girl as well. She was really tidy, actually. I think she digged my yellow jacket. But the compere didn't dig my yellow jacket as much. And I sat at the front and I got like just the absolute piss ripped out of me. Right. Basically, I was called a canary. I was called Pac-Man. It was, it was all there, you know what I mean? And uh, this was about, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago. 
And then I went up at the end and I says, oh, I've always wanted to do comedy. Like a lot of that, so many teachers used to turn around and says, oh, you think you're a comedian, don't you? So I was like, yeah, I do. But I just waited like, I don't know, 30, 30 odd years to, to, to try that. And then, um, and then I went down the first night, um, went back and I did some comedy and it went all right. And the second night, um, absolutely smashed it, just talking about myself. But for whatever reason, I just panicked the third night and felt that I needed to write jokes. Um, and then that was when I landed into the punchline gag stuff. Hmm. And then you said before the podcast that you took a bit of a break in a while. And now, like you're yourself, you are like, instead of the fifth, like the Russian dolls where there's four different layers, you are the last Russian doll now. You are yourself on stage. Yes, I believe so. Um, so the stuff that I was writing for tomorrow night and that, like I, I tried to talk about, obviously, like the um, a lot of a lot of comedy um, comes from pain, um, and some of the funniest moments that you can have is from your own kind of like like painful episodes, but trying to turn them into humour. Um, and I used to do a joke, whatever it was called, breathing space. I won't go on about the joke and that, and it gets a huge. Um, kind of reaction to it because it's a very funny joke but it's a very true story and I was driving down to the car with another comedian down to the Stan Comedy Club and I told him that story and he's like oh oh mate have you, have you ever said that on stage and I was like no no I've never said that on stage I've never showed myself on stage before and he's like oh my it's, it's brilliant it's my ending joke it's how like how strong it is um and then I says it on stage but it was also like I mentioned like it was it kind of leaves you a little bit vulnerable when you're going on about mental health and stuff um so yeah no I, I really feel that I put myself out there right? like I'm a, I, like I'm a, a single father of two children I can't get a date the dating sites hate me um I'm a bit of a loser I've got a bit of OCD um obviously with comedy you've got a bit of narcissism <laughs> so it's all there you know it's like it's all a chemical broth it's like mental broth as I would call it just <laughs> And then, so I do try to go on about myself a lot more and just what's going on in my life, what I see, what I do, um, and et cetera. And, and wrongly or rightly, for, for whatever reasons, like, I'm, I'm, like I work so hard in the background. Nobody sees that. People just see you on a stage with a mic and saying, oh, my God, I, I just, I couldn't do that. I couldn't stand on stage and do that. And it's like, well, no, we don't just pick up a mic. There's almost like like eight months of preparation, going around jokes and looking at jokes and trying things and getting rid of things and and moving things. If if people seen the amount of work that I do for comedy, for the little kind of payback that you get is absolutely mental. I just wish that I could pick up a guitar and sing a song, but I'm tone deaf, so I'll just need to stick with comedy. It could be part of the act, Peter. Like you know, you do the jokes, <laughs> just go on stage and start saying. Hello there. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> maybe maybe I could do that. I did think about um, just taking a guitar down so that all the other comedians would hate me and just be like, oh, look at that. It's just another musical act. I hate him already. <laughs> <laughs> have you, have you um, gigged much around, like, outside of Scotland and all that? No. So um, uh, for, for whatever reason, I come from a very deprived background and whatever. And um, obviously with the kids, I can't, I can't get outside of Scotland. So the closest that I've been to England, literally to England, is Berwick-upon-Tweed. I hosted a gig down there um, for a guy called Michael Redmond. Oh, okay. Who, yeah, Father Stone from Father Ted. Hilarious man. 
Um, so I went down there with a, a comedian called Harry Garrison. We drove down there. But I've never actually visited England. So not only have I not done comedy, I've never actually visited England or Ireland um, or anything in the UK apart from Scotland, but I've been to Thailand and taught. Hmm. That's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a TEFL, so I, I, I'm, you know, I'm a legend already. Oh, you got a TEFL, but you don't have to... It, I, I did a bit of research on it, and like the main qualification is the Kelter, isn't it? If you want to um, get anywhere, you've got to get a Kelter. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Sorry, I don't. I don't actually have a TEFL. What I did was I had three days of Media Kids Academy, um, so I'm pretty confident it was a TEFL. And I just got thrown into a room as a pure Scot, pure Aberdonian, which is very kind of strange dialect anyway. At that moment in time, I wouldn't have had the confidence that I did. And I basically just got thrown in a room and says, like, now you, I wouldn't do that accent, but says, now you can teach. Like, really? I mean, I'd never left Scotland before. I went on the plane. My ears were popping. So I went up to this German lady, uh, a Holland lady, and I says, oh, are you German? But she was Dutch. <laughs> so she was already not impressed. I had to sit with two polystyrene cups in my ears because my ears were popping in front of the front of a plane. And everybody was walking past me thinking I was some kind of nutcase. And then once I got into Thailand, I had this wooly jumper on. It was the hottest time in Thailand that it ever was. And then I got to the hotel and I says, look, I'm here for Media Kids Academy. We don't even know who you are. So then I had to go out and get buy some Bermuda. It was a mess. Like I, had, I was just sitting in Thailand. Uh, so yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just sitting there. Like I was yeah. like, this is the sipping a beer. Chiang Mai, I think it was called. I was just like, this is mental. I'm in Thailand. And this American guy was like, oh my God, I cannot, I cannot believe. Um, I don't know why I went out in the camera the frog there. He says, I, I, can, I can't believe that you've came all the way to Thailand, but you've never even visited anywhere in the UK. It's like, you're a nutcase. I was like, well, if you think if you think I'm a nutcase, you should see me on a plane. I have to sit with polystyrene cups like I've got fucking robot ears or whatever. <laughs> And, he, and to tell him to come around to to certain places in 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 Scotland at night, and he he will, he will see some problem madness, especially in Glasgow. Anywhere <laughs> in Scotland uh, that puts alcohol in that in, in the mix is usually in, in madness. I think you get the same down in England. Oh yes, definitely, Castle. definitely in the right places. <laughs> it's just it's all the same thing, isn't it? But it's just like different flavors, like you different. It's like we're cunts, but we're different kind of cunts. Like you, you're, you're in in Scotland. There's a different. It's you sound different, and maybe you're a bit more upfront in London. It's oh, you fucking, yeah. your fam, what, what, what? Yeah, yeah, fam. I forgot about fam. There's a lot of folk come in. They're like, oh, oh I'm from London. I'm like, oh, you're from London. He's a geezer. You just go out like ten minutes. They're like, oi, look at me. I'm a geezer. I'm out with the lads. I'm late, late in it up. Oi, oi, where's the birds, mate? And you just have a laugh when you're comparing and stuff. So it's, yeah. Is is there quite a big sort of banter culture in Scotland as a whole? Or I mean, how how did what is the Scottish comedy scene and how does it differ? Because I get the you know I hear about Glasgow. And yeah, they'll be friendly to you, but they'll beat the shit out of you. Uh, where they're a bit more gentle uh, and friendly. I think everywhere's gentle and friendly. Um, I used to, I used to not be a fan of Aberdeen. I've been Aberdeen all my life, but the older you get, the more respect you get from where you're from. Um, 
I would say that Glasgow has that kind of, I don't know, that kind of message, but it depends what part of Glasgow you're in. You know, they have that in Manchester. I hear that about Manchester, but it depends what part of Manchester you're in. It depends what part of um, Glasgow or Manchester that you're talking, who the people you're talking to. If you've got to go past 30 youths and call them all dicks, and anywhere you've got to, you know, have, have some trouble. But at the same point, there's a lot of beauty and love um, in the UK and, and including Scotland. And, you know, um, so there is a lot of banter, but it's different. It's like, it's different in what it is in Falkirk and what it is in Dundee and Dundee to Aberdeen and Aberdeen to Stirling and so on and so forth. The place where you probably get less banter would be Edinburgh, unless you went into the, like, the actual deprived parts of Edinburgh, then you won't see Edinburgh. You'll see Embra, as I like to call it. But in the Princess Street and all that, where all the students reside and that, you know, you know, God forbid you, you says she, her, me, him, whatever, and got that wrong. But in, <laughs> in proper Embra, oh man, if you if you walk past and you wouldn't feel the right place, you'd probably get your, your, heat, your heat panned in, as they would say. Uh, so you're saying because it's Edinburgh's quite artsy and it's quite, it's just effectively the capital of Scotland, it's a bit more... What? Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Like before, I did comedy, or before I started doing comedy, it was really crazy on how Glasgow and Embra, how much they hate each other. I didn't realize how much Glasgow and Embra didn't get along with each other until I started doing comedy, and the divide is just like it's crazy. Like a lot of comedians will say, "Oh, that people is talking shit," or whatever. But no, it's crazy how much they absolutely do not like each other. Because Embra is like their capital of Scotland, so they feel like they're better in Glasgow, and Glasgow feels like, well, but we're better than you. We're 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 doing it earth or whatever. But I really feel that Embra. I'll give you I'll give you the best analogy, right? At Embra and Glasgow, right? And I'm sorry to make this so Scottish sounding and whatever on your podcast and that. Um, <laughs> there was this guy who came up from England, right? And he did snake in a box, right? And he was in Edinburgh. And yeah, he basically had this like cardboard box, right? So you couldn't see his face. And he had a puppet snake, right? And I was on the I was on the gig on the Monday night. And it was, I think I think it was might have been from Liverpool or whatever. And he did this snake, and everybody was in hysterics in Edinburgh stands, right? I mean hysterics. I was folk like tears rolling down their eyes. They absolutely loved this act. And then he went to the stand Glasgow on Tuesday, and I was on the stand Glasgow on Tuesday. It was a few years back, and that. And he went to say something with a snake, and you heard one Glaswegian saying, "What the fuck is that shite?" <laughs> and he bombed for ten <laughs> And even when he was outside, like I was like, I think I tried to say, I says, "Oh, in Embra, he was absolutely like nailed it for like ten minutes." Well, this isn't a fucking Embra, is it? When he up for that arty, sneaky push. <laughs> like, he was not impressed. And that just goes to show you the transition of, if we take it back to comedy, the, the transition of comedy from Embra to Glasgow. So what's the reason for, like, Edinburgh not being as sort of, as you say, banterish as other parts of Scotland? It, it does. It, it is banterish. It depends where you go. So if you're in, like, like Princess Street and some of the posher, like posher parts, and I'm sure it's the same as Glasgow, then you're not going to get as much banter. You know, the posh, in the greatest respect, like people that's like, like if you think of Lewis Capaldi, you've seen Lewis Capaldi videos and that, like he does his music videos, he just rips a piss the whole time. But Lewis Capaldi, as much as he can sing and all that, I think he came from like a more humble beginnings, you know? Kevin Bridges did, hey, 
you know, like the support and backing of his parents in ways. But I think Kevin Bridges also lived around the times where it is a bit tougher for people and it is a bit, you know, like he will meet all the characters and everything. But the more the, the more people that's got, like I feel, and I can only come from a deprived background here, money and finances, you know, they got, like they got a banter, but it's got to be a different banter. Like, oh, 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 Jacob, was it? Were you on the golf course yesterday? Oh, I mean, I, I missed a shot. Oh, for somebody from a, a poorer part of Scotland, like, man, I was on a golf course. What, what a fucking nightmare that was. It's different speaking. It's different, you know. I, I don't know if the word's colloquialism. Is that the right word? The way they speak. Okay, yeah. I don't know if that's right. I'm sure someone, I'm sure one viewer might, well, your one viewer might write in and say, Say something. I don't know how much folk view your podcast. How many people view your podcast, by the way? Oh, it, it varies, man. It depends on so some some get like a hundred in about uh, about a couple of weeks. Some oh. get about most average around thirty or forty. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, most get about thirty or forty in about thirty days or so. Good. And as all the podcasts last around about half an hour, an hour? It, that depends as well. Some of them are like an hour and a half, some of them an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the aims of the podcast is going to try and make it finish less than an hour, but that's not always possible. But it is what it is. Um, yeah, so if you if you send the link through, and I, I can advertise it on my TikTok as well. Oh, yeah, please do. The, You're welcome. Will there be affiliate... Will there be a, Affiliate marketing as well. Yeah, yeah. Is it, is it colloquialism? I'm sure someone can phone in and but let you know. It's basically what your point is saying that it's, it's, they have a different way of um, communicating, engaging, and bantering, which is yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a bit I mean, strange. You, yeah, because like two different then, countries in a way. But then you throw alcohol in the mix and then everybody's just on the same level. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're <laughs> <laughs> our shite bags. We're our. Uh, like you say, as nutters, you throw a lot of alcohol in, accents is gone, they're back to who they were used to be when they was at school or whatever, and even like they went to start fights and whatever, throw alcohol in the mix and then we just yeah. all become savages again, we just all become uh, uh, druids. <laughs> it's, um, no, I, I get, get in some ways what you're saying, because I mean, I remember when I was younger, I went to an amateur boxing club. I didn't really train properly, but I did it for like a... I was only there for a month or two. But yeah, I yeah. saw like their humour and the way that they interacted. They were, I thought, right, before I went in the comedy, like everyone would be nice and friendly and like really cool as you'd see them on TV. Mm-hmm. But what I found, and I thought before I went to a boxing club, they would all be cunts and dickheads. Mm. What I found was it was the reverse. <laughs> no, it, it, it's... But I found that people in the boxing club, because they're poorer, as you say, more deprived, mm-hmm. they're more raw, they're more willing to let go of things and not worry about things. Whilst mm-hmm. in comedy, sometimes people people aren't as interesting. They're not as... Um... Do, you know, do you know why that is? Right? I, went, I actually went to um, boxing and, and kickboxing and combat centres and things like that. And I would totally, I would totally agree. There is some really... I, Here's, here's my analogy on comedy, right, when it comes to this, right, is that the headliners are some of the most lovely people that you'll meet, right? 
and and I, I could name some of the names, but I wouldn't want to like leave anybody out basically. So the headliners are awesome, right? Let's take it back to school context here. So the headliners are like the hard men of the school. They've yeah. already proved themselves. They came there hard. They kind of got it. They're fine. They just coast about. Nobody bothers them. They're fine. Somebody bothers them, then there's a problem, right? Then you've got, oh, yeah, Wankstein, middle spots, right? So we're putting this into comedy. They're like the guys that want to be the hard man, but they don't care how to be the hard man. And they're not hard enough to be the hard man. So they've got to push and pull and, and be a dick and be wide and backstab and whatever else to try and get to this spot, okay? Yeah. If you think of it in a school in terms... Then you've got ah the, the the other people that's trying to just get along and get by, and they know they're not hard men. They don't want to be hard men, but they're usually like some of the coolest folk. So it's ah these middle uh, middle spot ball bags that, that cause ah the friction and comedy. The headliners are fine. The people that's new are coming in are fine. Part of it, there's a lot of wankers that think that they do one gig and now they're while live at the Apollo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I noticed, I noticed Michael McIntyre's sick. Well, that's maybe my chance. Wait a minute, chill out. You did fucking three minutes on wanking. I mean, you didn't quite, <laughs> quite, quite live at the Apollo yet, mate. So that's my analogy of comedy. But like you says, with the boxing club, I found more friendship and camaraderie, um, and I probably pronounced that wrong, at the boxing club than I ever did in comedy. And I was in like 14 years of comedy and that might be down to me. Like I, I have been through my own kind of issues. I um, have done a lot of maturity since, you know, like um, since my children came along and things like that. And I was probably a little bit impulsive at times. And maybe I didn't say the right things on online. I didn't understand forums and et cetera when I first came came out. But when I went to the comedy club, I was, I was um, a boxing club. I was I was pretty much accepted by a lot of people. But there was that kind of same fear that I wasn't quite in their clique. But with the comedy, I've, I've never really been in anybody's clique. Um, but that's that's my analogy of, of, of comedy, if you put it into school in terms. That, that's quite a good, uh, that is quite a good analogy. <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, I, I was really surprised to find that in terms of comedy. And like, mm -hmm. and this isn't just comedy, though. This is like, including, I don't know about musicians. But mm -hmm. I know of actors and comedians, mm -hmm. that analogy works quite well. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, if, I, I've got some friends that are musicians and I've, I've approached them and says, look, comedy's like this in some ways. What's music like? This is, is, is I don't want to swear, it is absolutely a cesspit of negativity. It's so bad. It's worse than comedy. And you know why it's worse than comedy? Because comedians think they're getting a raw deal because they're like, wait a minute, I'm only getting a tenner. Or wait a minute, I'm only getting my fuel. Or wait a minute, I'm only getting my bus allowance. I know bands that have played with bigger bands and they're lucky to get 50 pounds. They've got to do pay to play. It's just, it's so... And because of that, what it does is it leads up to people being quite negative towards each other, but they're all egotistical. I've done some gigs with musicians and comedy's on the same gig, and the musicians are. <laughs> and see if you do a gig, see if you do a gig, I always laugh, because see if you do a gig, and it's a music gig primarily, and they're allowing comedy into it, you can't do comedy. You've got to do what they would listen to. So say you was at a Mumford and Sons gig, and they says, oh, could you come along and do comedy? You couldn't go in and rip about, rip about music and indie music and whatever else you thought of Mumford and Sons or whatever. Obviously, it'd be a bit disrespectful, but at the same point, 
you can't really say how you're feeling. So if you've got any material that you're really wanting to say, and you're like, oh, you look around the crowd, oh, I can't really say that now, can I? You've got to, you've got to pander. So you'd have to go into the gig and be like, oh, that Harry Styles, eh? But then if you went to a Harry Styles gig, you know, you'd have to kind of, you wouldn't be saying how you truly feel at these gigs. You would be doing material that they would want to listen to. But mm. in a comedy club, you might look around the room and be like, oh, it's quite a young team tonight. So I'll slag, I'll slag myself and I'll slag people being old. But if there's older people around, you're like, oh, young team's getting it tonight. And et cetera, you know. Young team, I mean, like, teenagers, whatever. It's, yeah. A lot younger than me. I'm 44 in December. So I'm thinking, like, 20-year-olds or whatever. But I tell you what, though, I've come across some <clears throat> 40, 50-year-olds, even older than that. And their ego is just as big as some of the better younger ones. So in comedy, some of them, yeah. I don't know, it's ginormous. It's like a bloody mountain with some of the people are crossing it as you as well. But it's you've got you've got to look at comedy. There's a lot of comedians, and again, I won't name them. That I would sit at a gig, um, and they've got no chat. Like you says, they're not interesting. The reason they're not interesting is a lot of comedians are not the class clowns. Are not the people that were very interactive at school or like larger in life at school. A lot of comedians are writers and being a writer is more an introvert than an extrovert. So then once you put it on stage and they do their comedy on stage, usually when they come off a stage, they don't have much to say because they're not used to saying anything. They're not um, a life and character. They're not a huge character. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that's why they're probably a little bit more Reserved, it doesn't make them bad people, it just means they've got shit chat. <laughs> it, well, it just means that if they're in a date or something, they'll have to write, write about, wait about an hour before they say a good <laughs> yeah, yeah. chat up. <laughs> no, not everybody. I mean, that is, but you've got to remember a lot of the younger means and that they don't come with knowledge and experience. And that knowledge and experience, they might be very good in everything, but they don't have any life experience. They don't have any, you know, they haven't taken the hits like some other people. Um, uh, so if you take it out of comedy, I'll never forget. I always used to look at university lecturers as this, because this, I went to university, you probably don't know that, but I've got a uh, biology degree and everything. Uh, no bad for somebody, it came, when they, they, they came, I mean, nothing for school. Anyway, and I was, I remember going on this bus and I was, I was on this uh, university lecture and I just looked at him, he was like so knowledgeable, like everything to do with rare plants. I was like, how do you even get to that level of knowledge, like a David Attenborough knowledge of plants and that? I was just, I was just in awe with this guy, absolute awe. And then we went and was waiting to get a booze cruise. He was not up for it. Either was the rest of the students because they were. Um, but I was like, I might get pushed. This is the last night. I might get like four bottles of wine. I don't care. Um, I just like to say that there's a zero tolerance to alcohol and please be responsible. Um, and so, so we're in this, we're in this minibus and we're traveling through Shetland. And I started just asking them general questions because it was like an hour's drive. I was like, oh, do you watch your football last night? Did you do this? Oh, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that. I, I wouldn't. Well, what's your, what's your opinion on this and opinion on that? I, I, I wouldn't like to answer. And then that was when it clicked. I was like, this guy can't fuck all. I said, this guy only knows about this single thing in 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 the in the universe, which is plants, rare <laughs> tree plants. And the guy's got fucking nothing else to offer in life. <laughs> 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 you, 
I used to look at this guy like, how do you even get to that levels of knowledge? You're so intelligent. You're like a Stephen Hawking of plants. And it's like, but you're also got fucking nothing to give afterwards. You must be the most boring person that I've ever spoken to in my life. And that was when I realized that you, like, you, you, these people are just like, they just, they're just getting a chat. It's just, you've got to go through a lot of things in life, you know, like whether it's mental health, depression, a kicking, you know what I mean? Like beating up um, bad people in your life, good people in your life. I've seen everybody in my walk of life. Um, I've been through school, college, university, whatever. Um, I've took a lot of hard knocks along the way. I've been through depression. I've been through very hard and dark times. I've had children. Like I've been through everything that can, life can kind of throw at me so far. Um, and with that, you learn about a, a, about a banter, life experience, you work, you go into jobs, you know, like things have evolved now, but they didn't evolve when I was younger. I mean, when I was an apprentice for the first time, I used to get the piss ripped out of my eye day. <laughs> I mean, eye day. And, and you just learn to hear that little bit. But then folk will look at me and be like, oh, that Pete's off his heater. I don't care what they call me. They call me Mad Pete Duna Road or whatever. And that's a lovely lovely term to show um, someone that's been through like very, very, very dark places in his life, you know, to be called Mad Pete and whatever is pretty poor. Um, but I just, I just shrug it off and I'm like, that's a good man. Good luck with that. Uh, is, now this is probably going to be controversial to a lot of comics because a lot of things can get quite woke, but one of the things is, it is part of the reason why some, why comedies with some comedians and some people now with the council culture, sometimes we get too offended by things that they shouldn't be offended by and they get too emotional by it is maybe because they haven't been through enough hard knocks or anything severe for them to put things to perspective. Oh, so it's a great question, Marvin. I, 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 I think for me with the council culture, I'm, I, I, this is going to sound weird, but I'm actually for some of the council, uh, council culture. Um, and uh, I, I, I think if you're going to go on about topics, right, like like some of the darker topics and that, as long as you're clever, as long as you're clever with it and, and, and really like, but at the same point, I, I, I've listened to Jimmy Carr's joke. I listened to Will, uh, Chris Rock's joke and I thought, in the greatest respect, we're, we're, how Will Smith reacted and how people reacted to Jimmy Carr and it's just a joke. But it's just a joke, and there's also like a little bit of respect. Like Will Smith's wife was in the audience that night. You know what I mean? And um, Jada Pinkett Smith, and he made a GI Jane joke about his wife. Now I'm not saying what he did as the after reaction. I thought it was a very badly misplaced, poor taste joke. Why would you do that? He singled out everybody in the Oscars. His wife, um, and the fact that she's got alopecia, which is I've 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 um, dated a girl that had parts of alopecia, and it, it kind of broke her. Okay, I mean, and so I've witnessed that. I've seen it. I thought it was poor. Um, but at the same point, I've watched Ricky Gervais's um, Supernature and been in absolute hysterics. I've watched Bill Burr's stuff. It's it's absolutely on the edge and on the line. So it's not just... I, but, but then if you didn't have a little bit of cancel culture, you would still have wankers like Jim Davidson, Bernard Manning, and these people that kind of go on about racist stuff. And think that it's it's uh, appropriate. So you need a lot about a cancel culture, is what I'm trying to say. Because 
and the greatest respect. Um, okay. I don't want to think you're about kids dying and everything, or um, Asians or blacks being um, exposed because of their skin color and stuff. And some of these comedians was saying that jokes for a long time. So cancel culture shows that we've evolved. And I think comedians need to evolve with the times. And I watch some comedians that are older and I'm like, oh, can you say that nowadays? Or should you say that nowadays? It's their choice. So I, I'm, I'm up for a little bit of cancel culture, but we've also got to remember it is comedy. We're trying to find but find be clever with it don't just say it because it's offensive that's what i'm trying to say what's what's a bit where you've been like they didn't say anything offensive you just took you you just got too offended by something and were too sensitive about it in comedy or what's what's an example where you're like what um i think for me the probably the worst thing that you can go on about is um i don't like dead baby jokes I don't like him. Um, I think hitting that line for me is is too much for me. Um, uh, I don't know if it's because we went through two miscarriages before River and August, uh, River and uh, River and Siena. So August and Riley was, Riley was two two uh, miscarriages. So that would be a line that I don't know laugh at. But to be fair, Marvin, I'm the worst person at a comedy club now because I've analysed and tried to break down and deconstruct. I'm sitting there and I'm just like blank faced. It takes a lot for me to laugh. And it's not because I don't respect the open spots that are on or the headliners are on. It's just that I'm analyzing. I'm too trying to break down and deconstruct. Why did that get a laugh? Why did, but I'm an overthinker. But for me, dead baby jokes, because I've been through two miscarriages is, is, is a line that I don't think should be crossed. Yeah. But that's me. But someone might have had a lot of problems with cancer and it might be cancer for them. Somebody might have died in a house fire. It might be a house fire for them. It's all about your experiences and how you how you kind of react to things. But the Jimmy Carr joke about the Holocaust, I didn't get it. <laughs> so everybody was offended. I had to say it to my pal. I was like, I didn't get it. And he's like, oh, he's on about the Romanians or some in the travelers. I was like, I still didn't get it. I didn't get this joke that everybody's offended at. So sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm maybe not bright, bright as I think I am, but I didn't get the Jimmy Carr joke that everybody was offended at. But I did think that it was poor taste for Chris Rock. I'm not condoning what Mel Smith did. I get why he did what he did, but I just felt that I just his wife was right there, you know? But I have, I have had somebody come up and threaten me since recently at the comedy as well. So I know what that feels like, and it wasn't a very nice experience. Whoa. Yeah. They threatened you. Yeah, there was a guy wanting to sing um, at the comedy club. And uh, he came down and uh, he was like, I want to sing. I was like, you're not singing a night palace, isn't it? Effing karaoke. <laughs> he was not happy with that. <laughs> and then he sat at the front of the audience. And I says to him, I says, look, pal, um, you're not sat here at night. I says, the headliners are waiting to come on. We're all looking forward to him. So can you please kindly move to the back where you were sitting? Um, and he wasn't, I'll sit where I want to sit. I was like, look, I don't want you to turn this into dirty dancing and says nobody puts baby in the corner. And he wasn't happy with that comment either. And the audience was not happy with him now. And I was like, where's this going? And then he sat there, he never smiled through the headliner, never laughed, he only cared about his song. I went on about, he tried to say that he was going to sing a Johnny Carr song. And I, like, I was like, I didn't get what he was saying because he was drunk. Um, 
And then what happened was uh, the headliner done his bit. He came on and he grabbed me by the shoulder and squeezed down on my shoulder and says, I want to sing. And I tell you, for a, for a lot of things that Aberdeen, right, people that I might have um, might have been jealous of, you know, because they've got more than me and more money and more finances and better houses, better cars, better mortgages, presuming better children. Mine's are a nightmare. I love them, but they're a nightmare. Um, uh, they all stood up when he was away to sing after the headliner and walked out in unison. And that was the most beautiful things that I've ever seen in comedy. It was folk was just totally, nah, we're not going to let you sing. We're not wanting to hear you sing, mate. We don't even like you. Um, all you've done is made an arse of this. Because this was during the audience. This wasn't was a private bit. This was, the audience were there. So for them to do that, and they all came up and, and just says, that guy's a dick. Don't you worry about it. I thought you were fantastic tonight and everything. Um, but I was a bit shaken. And when I left the comedy club and that as well, um, I actually could have, to pause there, the owner did come up and say, look, are you wanting him out? Um, I just tell him to leave. And I was like, no, it's fine. Just, just leave him. It's fine. But then he came back and did that. It wasn't very nice. And when I left the comedy club, I was kind of looking over my shoulder just to say, has this guy got to try and attack me now? So this is why I don't agree with, with what Will, Will Smith did, because I felt that exposure of someone being threatening. And up until that point, I'd, I've only had one person ever threaten me. Um, uh, and that was like 10, 11 years ago. But it seems to be, a, I'd see videos now all the time because of what Will Smith did. So I don't care. Ah, so yeah, that might have repercussion effects or not. A hundred percent, yeah. Because people feel that they've got the that they they not only can they be offended, but they can also demonstrate. But I think when you're compared and you've always got to try and idolize the crowd. I stupidly spoke to that person because I was often I was off stage and I was up beside the back and he says, Oh, I'm wanting to sing a song and etc. And I stupidly engaged with him when he sat down in the front. I shouldn't have done that. I should have just says, oh, welcome back to the third section. We've had a great laugh. Whee! And then says, look, just get on your headliner. I should have done that, but I stupidly engaged with him. So I gave him the platform to, to, to feel, I don't know, to feel that, you, you know, things weren't right. Hmm. Yeah, that's, it's annoying with these, these, it's annoying when someone gets in, gets into a show and they, they start disrupting it and they're not self-aware that they ruin it for other people. Yeah, well, I've said to the owner, I says, I don't want him back. Um, I wouldn't host or perform while that man was in. So I'm like, I've says to him, I don't want him back. But he wasn't he wasn't just um, not nice to me. He was not nice to the bar staff and et cetera. And, um, but it wasn't it wasn't a nice situation. And and even the next night, I had because I was comparing the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was comparing Thursday somewhere else. Um, but even on the Saturday night, I was going back and I was like, I don't know if I can compare this because I've lost a lot of confidence now. You know, I never caused any harm towards this guy. I never tried to be like nasty or anything, but I've lost a lot of confidence within myself to speak to people now. Um, but a couple of sips of Diet Coke <laughs> and I was away again. This guy was wearing an icon hat. Um, so I got him up and tried to do a rap battle and just did a laugh and everything and found my confidence again. But it makes me a little bit weary, yes. That was only a couple of weeks ago. Hmm. So what? what's the... Oh, I know I want to ask a question. With everything that's going on comedy now, and there's been so much going on coming to the pandemic and you mentioned with will smith you mentioned with with things happening 
a lot of comedian friends of mine went up to Edinburgh. And obviously you being in Scotland, you did you go to Edinburgh as well? No. Ah. I, I couldn't afford it. Um, so I know, some, some of the comedians that went up, you know, something. I've never felt so annoyed with comedians this year than any time before. Um, but it was just because I was so jealous because they was all putting up posts saying, ace this gig, love this gig, so glad I'm doing the fringe, this is amazing. Um, so part of me was jealous. I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit jealous, like, oh, I wish I was doing that. Or, But then I started to get annoyed, like, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, the guy's probably only had five people in and he's absolutely smashed it or whatever. <laughs> Um, so I was a little bit jealous. Um, I'm not gonna lie, but I was also quite chuffed for some people as well. I, I genuinely was chuffed, but at the same point, I started to get annoyed. I was like, "Oh my god, I don't know why I'm even got a watch on. How long's this bloody fringe on for?" <laughs> I was like, I, "I was like, it's great having comedians on your page, but there's two times that I absolutely hate having comedians on my page. Is one when the fringe is on, and two when there's something to do with." comedy and comedians feel they need to comment on it because <laughs> your, your whole walls just comedians just tearing into something <laughs> it's just like post after post after post after post like oh my god i wish i didn't have comedians on my page they can't be a comedians can be a unforgiving bunch yeah yes what are the things that is a and that's another question as well at what point do you forgive and forget and well, what point, because we all make mistakes and we've all done fucked up things. Mm. We, none of us are purely innocent in our entire lives. That's the 100% true. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. What's the point where you actually forgive someone? But what's the point where you draw the line and be like, fuck off, you're done, son? Like, what, what's, what's the point where... Because that's, that's a difficult question. Because I feel that once someone's made a mistake in comedy, mm. some I feel that you know, you're finished. Even if the person's changed or they've gotten better or they're... Louis C.K. seems to have recovered. Like... Yeah, I was I was um, disappointed in, in the Louis C.K. thing because I don't know all the ins and outs. As far as I'm aware, he was sexually inappropriate and se did sexual things and everything. So the fact that he's gigging is beyond me. Um, but I think it's more to do with, like, if I think if he was British... Um, I don't think he would have walked away from that as much as he as he did. But America seems to be quite lenient to these things. It's I don't know. It's a strange thing. It's 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 a very difficult question because people can change. They say that leopard never changes its spots, but in in some cases. Yeah, but I think I think as far as I'm aware, there was a lot of accusations from women about him. Was he not like masturbating on the? Yeah. Yeah. What, what kind of lunatic does that, you know? And and if that was me, my comedy career would be finished. You know what I mean? And it wouldn't have even been started. Maybe it didn't finish. I don't know. Um, so <laughs> maybe it was only halfway through. I don't know. Um, so how he gets gigged. But, but to forgive and forget. Um, so... It's very, so, so it's very difficult. I was one thing that... Uh, it's easy for me to forgive and forget because... Like, I've got an alcoholic as a father, um, and uh, he is very difficult and very challenging, 
and I know where he stays, I know where he lives. I bumped into him last week when I was picking up some comedy uh, uh, mics and whatever, and I seen him in the pub. And he has nothing to do with us. He doesn't have nothing to do with his grandkids. He has nothing to do with my sister, nothing to do with my brother. If I was going down to the pub, you know, he would, he would always say hello. Always. If I seen him on the street, he would say hello. But would he ever make the effort to kind of, like, get to know his grandkids, come up, you know, have a cup of tea, meet him somewhere else that wasn't a bar? Um, no. And that makes that very hard, but I still love him. He's my father. Um, my mother had her own challenges as well, like really difficult challenges. Um, um, but because of our profession, I want to say. So I had two extremes um, in my life, and it made it a very, very difficult childhood. Very, very difficult. And it's probably why I've got borderline personality disorder. Um, so that was, that was tough. And then the... People that I was hanging about with used to bully me on top of that. So I was getting all this friction from at home and then my father left and then stepdad, like boyfriends and that came in, my mother's, and they weren't very kind. And then I had all that friction at home and then I was going out and I was getting bullied and locked indoors and spat on and kicked, not just cyber bullying, absolutely physically bullied. Um, so it was very difficult, but then they became my friends, like over the, like later on in years. And then my school pals, you know, so that's, so I can forgive and forget a lot of people because um, I've had to forgive, obviously, my family and I've had to forgive, obviously, my friends. Um, and it wasn't very a nice time and it's really affected me for years to come. But it's interesting how I can forgive and forget, but comedians don't forgive and forget that I've worked with and whatever. And I might have said some stupid things in a forum. You know, I might have nay been a hundred percent i've been through multiple nervous breakdowns and whatever you know through life and that um and there's a lot of comedian friends that i would have you know i wish that could have forgiven forget and they never have um and that's that's difficult because i've quite forgiven forget a lot of people in my life but i don't feel that is very uh it, it's not very like coming back the way but unfortunately that is that, that is life and and there's and, and it's sad that there's nothing I can do about it probably the next time that I'll see my father is is uh, when when he passes away but I'll always love him he'll always be my father he's never had nothing to do with me he's never paid nothing I think the saddest day of my life was when he had nothing to do with my kids shit so yeah well fortunately enough he's a lot to do with my comedy <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you can mention and mention him. You send him a video. Of yeah, he's always like, "Oh, you're still doing the comedy." Or when I go into the bar, it's like a, it's like I'm a, like a, a world class football player. I say, "Oh, look, he's come in, my son." Nobody knows who I am, but it's his like moment, I guess. And he's like, "Oh, you know what I am." And I seen him on Saturday, and it was hard because I had to go. Well, Friday, and I had to go and do that gig. And then I seen him on Saturday and he was like, oh, you fell out with me, you know, like and you fell out with me. I was like, dad, no, I never fell out with you. I says, I didn't want to contact you just now. I'm, 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 I, you didn't phone me on my 40th birthday because you was drunk. But more to the point, you've never ever asked about Sienna and River. Like you've never asked about them. You've never wanted nothing to do with them. And to me, that's, that's, that's difficult to forgive and forget that. Hmm. It's so bloody hard, isn't it? And it's, it's a strange thing as well. Sometimes if someone's done you, you've forgiven them, done it, 
they they take it the wrong way and they try and try and like they try and um think it see it as a sign of weakness that's the big problem as well mm -hmm. it sounds like if you don't mind me asking and i know you're supposed to be asking the questions and oh god it, it sounds like you've had a bit of a rough ride in comedy do you feel that uh oh no you seem no. to have like this is like i i don't know how much years been doing comedy more but there's a lot of years I've been doing like comedy and had a lot of like I'm 44 you're obviously a bit younger but you seem to have quite a lot of um negative experiences from comedy and comedians it seems oh oh oh, oh. Now, now now it's it's um I'd say it's been it's been I like the bit of making people laugh and the audience's bits mm-hmm but I'd say in terms, this is not just comedy as well, in terms of actors as well, mm -hmm. uh, I'd say majority of people are all right, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of, there's a lot of rubbish that goes on that, sh that is not really relevant and the stuff mm -hmm. we talked about. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think... <sighs> The answer to your question is it's not really it's not really relevant what's happened. It, what what what's what's relevant is how you work your way around things. Yeah, but I think you've also I think with comedians as well, um, comedians need to respect and remember that there's a lot of people like going through like mental health issues and whatever, and there's a lot of comedians that have never been through that or never will witness that, and they're just they're usually the biggest assholes. I mean, my job is about caring and respecting and inspiring and motivating and trying to get behind people that have been through the hardest times in their lives, I feel. Um, so I come with a, a very caring nature. And, and it's maybe because of what's went on before or whatever. And I just think some comedians need to, like, um, maybe be a bit more respectful. But but then saying that, it's very difficult because you're judging them from, on, like, a lot of comedians will judge you from, like, like, online. But the amount of comedians that I've met personally one-to-one -one, never say anything against me or never have anything like but but kindness you know like are like really cool and seem seem quite down to earth and whatever but online different <laughs> but when they meet you online they're like oh right oh oh well oh so you're peter wood and i'm a guy <laughs> but <laughs> they don't, they don't seem <laughs> say much then and they're usually quite I, I i think kind but then obviously when you turn your back maybe they say different things i don't know but the headliners, like I've said, I've, I've worked with some of the best ones, and the vibe has been really, really lovely and, and kind. Oh, it's incredible, isn't it? Some of the, some of them, like um, there's there's it's amazing, like some of the people that you think would have this and that about them are really sort of chill. That's mm. the thing that I find surprising. Like mm. someone that will have a hundred thousand or like a million followers or mm. been at Live the Apollo, mm -hmm. like. Um, lee nelson and like someone like that they'll be they'll be really chill to you which i find quite surprising i thought thought i'll get an ego off them but i don't no i, I um yeah i met like scott bennett i met scott bennett he's doing quite well for himself and he, he was really lovely um oh who's the guy that does the punchline gags he goes out with sarah milligan gary delaney yeah i met gary a couple of times gary's lovely john scott um who's a writer um left me like a, a lovely review we we certainly had a a, a, wee, a wee beer together um i've met a lot of them because a lot of the, the the comedians down down from england come up and 
had a great laugh with Freddie Quinn. I know he's quite controversial with some of these things, but he was great. He was, went out and did a beer with Freddie as well. So there's a lot of folk that, you know, like I've got a lot of time for. It's, 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 it's interesting. It's all the stuff that goes on. But one thing that I know that that's great about what's going on in comedy now with like social media and as I mentioned, you're on TikTok and like Edinburgh Fringe and all the fringe festivals is you can like, look, there's a lot thing that's good about comedy is people like Jerry Sadowit. When you say that sentence, it really to certain people, you're in the wrong. It sounds wrong. the good thing about comedy, Jerry Sadowit, because no, the thing that's good about him is he's built his own audience and does his own thing. Yeah, that's that's the thing that you mm -hmm. can do in comedy. That's great. You don't if you work hard at it and if you do the right things, you can do your own thing. And mm -hmm. that's that's what's so great about comedy. The thing, the thing I would say is like when you go on about cancel culture and that, I forgot about Jerry Sadowitz. Now the story that I heard about Jerry Sadowitz, I wasn't too comfortable with. I think he was showing his penis. Somebody says, "Oh, he's been doing that for twenty years," and it's like, "But twenty twenty-two? Yeah. Why would you want to show your penis now?" Like he's an old man now. I mean, um, but that's just my opinion on that. To to to, I got I mentioned two names, right? And I don't know if you've heard of them. But the reason I'm going to mention these two names is this still recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's two names in Scotland, right? That I that I, that I look up to with only admiration, and um, and and so chuffed at the way they've done it, right? And uh, uh, rightly or wrongly, you know, I agree with some of the material. Sometimes I'm like, well, um, but whatever, right? Um, and I did support Gary Meikle, and it's name I mentioned. It's Gary Meikle and Gary Falls, right? Scottish comedy was populated by the headliners and it was a hierarchy of people and you had to wait until you got your chance, yeah? Gary Folds and Gary Meikle both got famous through social media and they're now selling out some of the biggest venues in Scotland. Before then, they were just like a Johnny open spot, a support slot and not doing much. Now they're selling out 250, 300-seater venues. Gary Meikle's away over in America and they basically took the comedy format in Scotland and just ripped it up and just says, I'm going to do it this way. One of the one of the best things, I was at Gary Meikle doing this gig in Aberdeenshire. I won't mention the place because you won't know it. And his show's called 2.5. It was amazing, right? Because there's a guy called Steve Bennett, right? That's reviewed me and reviewed Gary Meikle. And the reason that his show's called 2.5 is because of the rating that Steve Bennett, Steve Bennett gave him. And he was told that he couldn't do filth and he couldn't do this and he had to do this and he had to do that. And he just took a step back and he was like, but I want to do me. I want to do exactly what I want to do and to help everybody else. And that's what he did. And you know something? They deserve huge plaudits. There's a guy, Mark Simmons, that I keep seeing on TikTok as well. Um, I've never met Mark, but I, I already like the way he does things and the way he puts himself about. And if it wasn't for TikTok, um, Mark Simmons wouldn't um, like be as popular as he is now, you know what I mean? And same with Lee Nelson. When you mention Lee Nelson, Lee Nelson used to do his character. He doesn't do his character anymore. Yeah. He does stand up. And if it wasn't for TikTok, he wouldn't be where he is now. And as a as a guy that's on, he's quite eccentric. He's quite he's English. Quite English talks like that. He was on Russell Kane. If it wasn't for TikTok and Russell Kane, Russell Kane would probably wouldn't have been on Strictly. Wouldn't have been doing all he was doing. But it's funny because a lot of people that 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 went against these people, right? And had a go at these people and etc. You see all the older comedians coming onto TikTok now. 
because <laughs> because like well if I if, if they can do it I can do it but TikTok's about a community TikTok's about liking other people's posts it's not just a case of putting up your stand-up slots and thinking that folks gotta like them it doesn't work like that on TikTok you've got to like buy into each other so it's funny when you see a lot of the older comedians that you didn't really pay much time for bombing because <laughs> you're like they just keep putting their stand-up videos up as like 10 likes and it could be really good bits of stand-up but it's like mate if it's near kevin bridges or somebody else sharing your shite that is just got a bomb every time you put it up because tiktok's more about your personality and things like that and trying to get that across and and, and that's how you put, you build up a following and whatever hmm. yeah if there's is there any any last words before we end the podcast? Ha, ha, ha. And um, you, there's someone behind. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd just like to say a big roar. Um, so this is the thing that I like to say. I don't know if you can see it. This is my lion. Every morning I get up, I train. I train three times a week um, to this Asian lad. Um, and he's like, one minute to push up shit. Um, and uh, as someone that's been through a lot of stuff and everything um, in my life. And I'm not saying, I would just like to say now, this is one view from a, from a, from a Scottish old comedian, older comedian. Um, it's just how I see it. I'm not here to step on toes. You, you hear your views and I'll hear mine, right? But I've lived long enough now to have my view. <laughs> if I was 18, I maybe folk would be like, I didn't agree with that. That's how I see it. This is through my eyes through my life, through my experience, through my knowledge, through my gigging, through my um, hiccups, wrong mistakes, um, people that's been poor towards me, people that's been good towards me, etc. Right. So this is this is how I see it. But it's only one view um, is that, first of all, it's been an absolute pleasure to have me on your podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and I'm very very um thankful for you even offering it to me marvin because you've got a lot of comedians down in england that will probably come on and say different things and whatever so i'm, I'm very appreciative for that first and foremost the other thing i would like to say is that um as much as my children great on me at times i absolutely adore my children river riley august and sienna they mean the absolute world to me um the two i pray for them every morning and obviously I pray for my two kids and I always work hard for them. And also, as much as things have been hard and that, I wish nothing but love um, for my family. And uh, I, I genuinely believe I'm such a lovely spirit. Um, but unfortunately, life is tough. And uh, so as much as I want to be peaceful and, and a loving dove that just floats around and is happy, unfortunately, um, there's a lot of things going on in the world just now that upset me and, and make me um, not love the world as much as I'd love to. Um, so, yeah, just be as much as comedy is hard and stuff, the, the more love that you show comedy, the more love that you show gigs and the people that you perform with, you will get it back um, in time. OK, so you're saying basically shag everyone in comedy. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that no <laughs> you do you and i'll do me <laughs> i'm just saying that just whatever happens like you only get one life and just try and love it for what it is it's very difficult to do that nowadays with 
cost of living crisis, Tories and whatever else that's that's running around causing um, chaos. Um, and, and there's also people that's not very kind and whatever, but just try and just try and be cool, just try and be nice and, and love what you're doing. Comedy is an amazing, we're, we're very, very privileged to be doing comedy. Very, very privileged. And some of us forget that sometimes. To stand on a stage doesn't take guts. But it's also that something that we adore, we love, we're passionate about. And don't don't ever give up your dream of, of doing comedy or, or being a comedian and, and just try and enjoy it. Just to, just to fill my Facebook with a fucking push. I don't want to care about your gigs. <laughs> Don't wait, can't be stop, stop putting them on my Facebook page. <laughs> the kill, <laughs> you smashed it. Did you fuck? If you look back at your gig ten years ago, you'd be like, "Oh my god, that was horseshit." I can't believe I says I smashed that. That was fucking terrible. So that, that's my end in peace. Yeah, it's it's and also, why do you need to boast about it? Why don't you just yeah, shut up? You just see the headline. You just see the headliners coming on and say, "Absolutely smashed that," because <laughs> they look back and be like, "That was shite." The the best thing you can do in comedy is evaluate, evaluate, evaluate. Don't come off a gig thinking that yeah, was a ten out of ten gig. You should be coming off that gig thinking that was a four out of ten. How do I mark it a ten out of ten? Now, how do people find out about you? Ha 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 ha. Um, so if you go to most registers, no, I'm joking. <laughs> if you go, um, <laughs> it's a joke. I've got a PVG. Um, so you can go into TikTok. I'm Scottish Lion on TikTok. At Scottish Lion on TikTok. Um, if you want to add me on Facebook, you can because nothing delights me more than adding another comedian when you're trying to get um, a van hire for a sofa for a hundred comedians to say, oh, oh, we some shitey joke um but you know you could add me on facebook you can check me out and scottish lion at tiktok i'll follow you back um i'm on instagram and uh, my facebook name's pretty confident that it's just peter wood if you want to ask any advice on your sets or whatever happy to do that only if you ask so i only offer advice to anybody i've been a scottish comedian now i've been gigging all many years um and i'm more than happy to chat through things with anybody the, the private messages or whatever if they want to all right uh to for any tinder requests that's what you got to do right <laughs> but any tinder requests i'm not actually on tinder so that would be uh some going okay, well instagram <laughs> <laughs> yeah instagram yeah 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 well tiktok supposedly the new tinder but i've not seen that yet not yet not yet but you know that you need them at whoa whoa i was gonna say and if you're TikTok... gigging if you're trying to gig, right, don't feel that you have to write it all the time. If you're not a if you're not a writer, just pick up a spoon in your kitchen and crack on and just practice and, and repeat it and change it and whatever. And your confidence will grow and grow and grow. And then soon when you're on stage, you'll be creating on stage. It's okay to write. Yeah, it's okay to write. But sometimes it's all right to go off the cuff as well. Right. Thanks for coming up, Pete. Guys, if you want to know about Peter. You know where to go. Um, and guys, make sure if you like this episode, share it with your friends, subscribe, give us a five star view on Amazon or iTunes, or I will kick the shit out of you.